Good morning. How's everybody today? Welcome to church. We're so glad that you're here, and we hope that you uh, have come today expecting a word from God and a, and a blessing. North Star's a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. And if you believe that, I want to hear a, a hearty amen. Amen. All right. That's pretty good. We, if you're new to us or uh, if you're just uh, already one of us, we exist as a church at North Star so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. And it's the power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that makes the difference in a person's life. Maybe you've come to our campuses today and you need that difference. You need something different in your life. And uh, you need a miracle, perhaps. Well, I'm, I want to be the one to tell you today that God is a miracle-working God. Uh, it is our vision at North Star to glorify God, really in everything that we do, but by making disciples of all nations, this nation, you got it, and that nation, any nation, it's, that's our objective, that's our vision at uh, North Star. We, <coughs> excuse me. We welcome those at both of our campuses, and we welcome those that are joining us online as well. We just finished up our campus pastor series. It was fantastic. I'm really, to be honest with you, I'm glad to be back on the stage today, uh, bringing the word and um, today's message has a great significance, so I'm looking forward to, to bringing this message to you. But then next week, and I want you to do something at both of our locations, I want you to invite, invite, invite. Maybe it's somebody you hadn't seen in a while because it's summer break, or maybe it's uh, somebody that lives next to you or works with you or is a relative of yours, but Starting next week, we're beginning a brand new series. We're really excited about it. It's called Even Though. Say those two words with me. Even Though. Like, say it with me right now. Even Though. And you can fill in the blank, but the message is the same. Even though you may be facing the trial of your life, I will trust God. Even though you are tempted, I will trust God. Even though you may be in a storm of life, I will trust God. So I'm pumped about that series. I, a lot of great things that are going on at North Star. Our, our students leave for, leave for camp this week. Our NS kids leave the next week. We had an incredible first Saturday serve day yesterday with a, a great number of volunteers uh, church-wide that came out and, and uh, blessed our fire departments and so we're, we're really excited about what God is doing around here. We really are. Well, I'm glad you came today because the subject of today's message is the greatest subject in all of the Bible. And that is about God's love. You realize it, don't you? He can't help himself. God doesn't have love. God doesn't just do love. God is love. God loves you. 
God could no more deny himself than to stop loving humanity because God is love. Now, not all love is God, and we don't worship love as deity, but God is love. Scripture says God loves the world. But in John chapter 3, verse 16, it doesn't say God loved the world. It says God so loved the world. What does that mean? You ever been around a parent that had a, a good case of the so loved with their kids? You know what I'm talking about. I said I would never be like that before I had kids. But then you, something happens and a kid comes along and they start growing up and maybe another kid comes along and they start growing up and then they start playing ball. And I love to go watch my kids as they played ball and had recitals and stuff. I, I loved watching my kids. I love watching them sleep. Am I by myself? Look at it. Look, look at it. Look at his chest is moving. I love I love to watch him when he's sleeping. And then they start playing ball and you go to the ball games. And uh, you lose, I learned this, the hard way you lose all sense of coolness when you go and watch your kids play ball. And that's important to me. They get a hit, and you start yelling, run! And you run around the fence, you take your shirt off. No. But you love to watch them because you so love them. Maybe you're here today thinking, you know, I, I'm just checking God out. I'm just checking all this stuff out. I don't even know if I love God or if God loves me. Or you might even say, be saying, I really don't want anything to do, to do with God. I mean, I, I, had a, I have got some reasons. I've got some baggage, uh, some things that happened previously in my life. And I don't even know if God is God or God is there. Well, I got news for you. Are you listening to me? He's watching you because he so loved you. He even watches you while you're sleeping. Really? Look at him. You're a grown man, but he said, look at him. Look at her. I love to watch her when she's breathing because God so loved the world that he cares for the world. We are the object of his obsession. 750 years before Jesus would come to this planet and save this world from their sins, God's love came on incredible display through the prophet Hosea. Hosea was a prophet who followed the prophet Amos. Hosea lived in the northern territory of Israel. 
Oftentimes, prophets like Hosea were given particular and even peculiar and sometimes slightly embarrassing task assignments. Sometimes a prophet in the Old Testament would uh, speak prophecy, but sometimes the prophet had to live the prophecy. And so it was in the case of Hosea, which was arguably the most famous person in all of Israel. And God told Hosea, I want you to do something. Hosea, I want you to marry a prostitute. Do what, God? Uh, excuse me, what what'd you say? I want you to marry a prostitute. Seriously? I mean, I mean, Hosea and any prophet was a beacon of hope, a beacon of light to the, to the nation. And God, you're asking me to do what? So he goes and he finds Gomer. Bummer of a name, right? You had named your daughter Gomer, have you? Uh, God bless you. He goes and finds Gomer. And uh, things go good for the first few years of their marriage. In fact, it wasn't long till they had a little boy. Woo! They had a diaper drop. It was fun. Wasn't long till they had a little girl. And then along came another baby boy. So for the first few years, things were nice in, in their marriage. Things were nice in their relationship until one morning, one morning, Hosea woke up, turned over in the bed, reached over for Gomer, and she wasn't there. He gets up. He goes in the little boy's room and the, the kid's room. And she's not in there. He goes into the kitchen. She's not in there. He goes down the hallway, looks in the closets. She's not in there. Goes out in the garage. She's not in there. She's, uh, she, she's gone. Now, Hosea, which was supposed to be a beacon of hope to the whole nation, the beacon of light, the prophet of God, is now a single dad with three kids, and he can't even keep his wife at home. That's where we take up our text. If you have your Bibles, to turn to Hosea chapter 3. Hosea chapter 3. It's in the Old Testament, and if you're looking for it, it's like, you know, it's over here somewhere. Go to Psalms and take a right. Hosea chapter 3. What I have told you up until this point took place in chapter 1. And now in Hosea chapter 3, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. This is not where God said, go marry a prostitute. prostitute. That was in chapter 1. He's saying, now, do it again. She's already, now, she left. 
Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. <coughs> so, I, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lithic of barley, like five bushels of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same toward you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. So here is uh, here's Hosea. He's living in a, in a nation, Israel, that was experiencing incredible prosperity, ex extraordinary prosperity. In fact, they had, though they had stuff, their heart began to turn from God. And so this book of the Bible is, is a book, it's a message about God's love and God's redemption for them if they chose to accept it and for us if we choose to accept it. Now Israel, they were pretty messed up people. It was eerily interesting as I prepared this message weeks ago that is, I began to look at some of the characteristics of the people that it was, it was eerie because it was almost the same in our culture today. For example, they had three positions on love. Number one, they believed that love could be purchased. They didn't necessarily believe that, that God is love and that he so loved. They, they thought that they had began or grown to think that, that they could purchase love. If you had the money, if you had the goods, you could have love. Contrary to what society may say, you can have love. Second, they believed that love was the pursuit of self-gratification. That if you wanted love, just do whatever feels good. I mean, if it's sensual, do it. Because, huh, hey, that's love. That's what love is after all. Can you see how they had so strayed from the original destiny that God had for their lives? So they, they believe the pursuit of self-gratification. Third, their third position on love, they believed that love could be found in inanimate objects, inanimate objects, in, in other words, stuff, idols, statues, and that's why you see them worshiping false little g-gods, and so their, their thinking had, had gotten messed up by this time, probably because they were enjoying extraordinary prosperity. So, God shows up 
through his prophet Hosea. And I want to talk just for a minute about what God does. What was it that God was, was doing to get Gomer back in turn also to get his people back? Maybe today you're away from God. Maybe you've never come to God. Or maybe you're away from God and we have a, we have a, a way. It's, it doesn't make sense, but we have this thing about us sometimes in our lives. We try to get God away from us because we're doing our own thing. We're going our own way. It's like God's pursuing us. Get away, get away. Shoo, shoo, God. I, I want to live my own life and do my own thing. So what does God do? Well, in the previous chapter, in verse 14 of chapter 2, it tells us what God wanted Hosea to do to win back Gomer, and God does the same thing. In verse 14, he says, therefore, I am now going to allure her. This is Hosea. I'm going to allure Gomer. I'm going to win her back. We're not going to live like this anymore. I'm going to allure her. One translation says, woo her. I will lead her into the wilderness. Are you getting the picture? He's, he's saying, come, come on, baby. Come on. Let's go to somewhere private. Let's where we can talk and let's have dinner. And then he says, and I will speak tenderly to her. The literal translation says, I will speak to her heart. So that is a picture of God drawing us. God draws us. You may not even realize it, but God is drawing you. He's pursuing. You may not be pursuing God, but God's pursuing you, and he's drawing you. You don't know why you showed up today. I mean, somebody invited you, or you thought, well, it's about time I show up, or I show up every week. But all the time, God is speaking tenderly. He's speaking to your heart. He's, he's drawing you. Verse 15. What does God do? He says, there I will give back her vineyards. Can you imagine the life that Gomer as a prostitute had been living? She lost everything. The joy of home, the joy of prosperity, the joy of the fruit of the field. There I will give back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the days that she came out of, of Egypt. Notice the word Achor, <coughs> the valley of Achor. The valley of Achor, was a, uh, the meaning of that was it was a valley of trouble. What had happened, the Israelites... Uh, Achan had taken uh, a city at Ai, and they had kept the spoils from battle, and they were not supposed to do that. And right there at Ai, Israel saw defeat, and they called this place the Valley of, say it with me, trouble. You ever felt like you were in the Valley of Trouble? And so God, through his prophet Hosea, is saying, you go to her and, and, 
And you speak tenderly, you speak to her heart, and uh, tell her that this valley of trouble, this season of your life that has been a, a life of sin is about, if you come back, it, it, will, it will be, there, there is hope. So God, if you're taking notes, God promised through Hosea to Gomer and to us and to the Israelites, he promises hope and safety. Maybe you're listening today and you've lost hope. God's message to you is, I so loved you and I will give you hope and safety. The third one is found in verse 19. I will betroth you. He's really, he's, he's, he's uh, restating his marriage vows. I mean, this is very sweet. This is very powerful. I will betroth you to, to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. And so God is saying, not only do, do I draw you, and I promise you hope and safety, God says, I'm going to enable you to start again. I'm going to enable you to start over. God says to his bride, God says to his people, uh, I'm the God who will let you start over. Perhaps some have come today and what you need in your life is to start over. Start over spiritually. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't get saved again, but you can't start over. And if you're not a follower of Christ, starting over means trusting Jesus as Savior, because for God so loved the world, He watches you because He loves you. So God, in chapter 3, fast forward back to our text. In Hosea chapter 3, this, what this text that I read is about is God told Hosea, uh, go find her. Go find her again. Uh, go look for her. Go find her. And so the prophet Hosea sets out and he goes a place to a place that a man of God would never be caught to the red light district because he's looking for his wife who is a, a prostitute. You can imagine how this beacon of hope was now embarrassed, but he did what God said. He went and looked for her, so he goes down there, shady, embarrassing, humiliating. And he, he walks up to somebody and he says, hey man, um, how's it going? Good. Both of them look at each other like, uh, I'm surprised he's here, and I'm surprised he's here. And Hosea says, uh, look, I don't, I don't know how to say this, but uh, have you seen Gomer? Uh, oh, uh, no, yeah, yeah, man I, man, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I didn't know you guys had split up. I, yeah, uh, I, I've seen her. Sorry, man. 
but I haven't seen her lately. Okay. All right, thanks. So Hosea keeps going, and he goes down a little farther, and he sees another guy. He says, look, man, um, I'm, I'm looking for my wife. Your wife? Yeah, I'm looking for Gomer. Have you seen her? Yeah, it's, it's been a, a little bit, but uh, I saw her like, like two, two streets over. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks. Good luck. Thanks. So the Bible says that Hosea went over and he comes into the place that is, it's an auction block. Gomer had been caught up in the sex slave industry. She's now being sold on the auction block as a slave. Hosea walks in, he says, hey man, the guy in charge, he said, look, hey, that's my wife. I don't care who you say she is, but she belongs to me. She's for sale. For sale? Yeah, that's right. And so the ultimate purchase takes place. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know how it went down. But I just know this. So what about Terry? Do you think he had to bid against other bidders? Uh, I, I don't know. Probably. And so the bidding started for his wife. And Hosea makes the ultimate purchase, and he purchases his wife back. You say, man, that don't make sense. Something's wrong with that. God's love is, is incredible. God's love is, is, is it's ridiculous because he's obsessed with us. He's passionate about us. Yeah, but man, he had to buy back his wife. Well, while his wife was a prostitute. She didn't know that her husband was doing it, but he was taking care of her all this time. So what do you mean? The Bible says that while she was shacked with her lovers and uh, using and whatever, starving and no nice things that Hosea would go to the store while she was sleeping, and would buy her clothes and buy her food and leave it on the front porch. That's because he loved her. You think buying her back is incredible? It's pretty incredible. So he bids on her and he gets her. He pays 15 pieces of silver, five bushels of barley. Silver represents divinity Barley represents humanity. The number 15 in the Bible is significant, means rest and redemption. The number five in the Bible means grace. So here is Hosea. It's a picture of God loving you. Here's Hosea buying her back. So, man, that don't make sense. 
Psalm chapter 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it, everything. The earth, that's you. Everything, everybody that lives in it, that's you. That's me. It belongs to who? God. It's, it's God's. Yet John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God who created you, God who created the universe, God who owns the world, sent his only son, his only begotten son, his one-of-a-kind son, who came to this earth. He so loved the world that he sent his son to this earth. Whose earth is it? It's God's. What's everything on the earth? Who does it belong to? God. Yet God sent his son to the earth that he owns, to people he owns, to pay the price, the premium for our sins. In other words, he bought us. We're blood-bought. If you're a follower of Christ, Jesus shed innocent blood, and because of his sacrifice, we are bought back. So yeah, it's uh, it, 750 years later when Jesus shows up is the same thing. In fact, one scholar said other, apart from the crucifixion and the resurrection and perhaps the appearances of Jesus, the greatest story and illustration in the Bible was right here in the book of Hosea. We didn't deserve it, he still bought us. She didn't deserve it, he still bought her. The word uh, Hosea is salvation, means salvation. The word Gomer means completion. We're the Gomer who are made complete in his salvation. Verse 3 says, and he's, he's, he's renewing his vows again. He says, then I told her you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same toward you. Because he loved her. He bought her back. Man, that, that's ridiculous. That, that, that doesn't make sense. You can't add that up. No, no. no. You, you can't add that up. One time Jesus was um, eating with um, sinners. And he was good at that. He, he did that a lot. And one time... They were accusing him of eating with sinners and tax collectors. Matthew chapter 9, verse 12 says, On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Verse 13 says, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So he's talking to these people who are accusing him of eating 
He said, I've, I've not come to call the righteous. I'm not here preaching to the righteous, man. He said, I've come to preach to the sinners. And he quotes Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, in that passage that I just read. Man, that is, that's ridiculous. God so loved. 1 John chapter 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Man, I'm thinking, who's Hosea? Jesus told them in Matthew 9, he said, I'm Hosea. I'm the Redeemer. I'm salvation. I'm Hosea. Who's, who's Hosea? Hosea is God. It's a picture of God. Who's Gomer? It's us. It's you, and it's me. And I'm thinking, wow. I know a lot of gomers in my life. I've known a lot of people who are away from God, who need God. And I'm just thinking as I'm preparing this text, this message, I need to be telling gomers about God's love, that how God draws us, how God promises hope and safety, how God gives us an opportunity to start over. Yeah, I do. I need to tell gomers. Another reality is there are gomers present in our services today. There are gomers present listening online that have been away from God, not necessarily in this analogy where Gomer was a prostitute, but in the same unfaithfulness to God, in the same thing of rejecting God. There are a lot of Gomers today who God is drawing to himself who need to come back to God or come to God for the first time. And then there are others who need to come back to God and put their trust in his forgiveness, his love pray with me. And I, I'm going to ask that no one's moving around, and, and this is a sacred moment. If, if, if today you realize for the very first time that you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, you're a gomer. God is drawing, he's wooing you, he's speaking to your heart. Would you give him your heart today? Would you put your trust in him today? You can say something like this from your heart. It's more than repeating a prayer, a prayer but it, it is a, an act of faith and repentance. But you can say, dear God, today, I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. I believe that God so loved the world that Jesus came to this earth and he died a sinner's death on the cross. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. believe that. I repent. I turn from my sins 
and I turn to you, Lord Jesus. Come live in my heart. I put my trust in you, and I follow you today. Church-wide today, both campuses, if you prayed that prayer, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, don't wait another second. I want you to put your name on a card, a connection card that's in the pocket, in the seat pocket in front of you. And fill that out, declaring today. There's a place to check. But today, I put my trust in Jesus. Maybe as a follower of Jesus Christ, you've strayed emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally. You've strayed from God. And like the prodigal son, you need to come home. Like Gomer, you need to come home. Maybe your prayer today is, God, I repent of my sins. I, I'm sorry. Thank you for enabling me to start over. Now I'm going to ask that everyone at both campuses, would you please stand with me? I just want to pray over you. Listen, this is not the time to exit. This is not the time to skip out early. Don't miss this time of closing worship. In fact, attune your hearts to God and you may feel led to come and kneel here at the front. Nobody moving around. This is a sacred moment. Father, I pray for, for all of the people that have gathered today and I pray, God, that you would take these closing moments of worship and God, speak to our hearts. Help us to be sensitive to what you're telling us. Help those that need to trust you today. Help those that have trusted you today. Help those that are coming back to you today. God, thank you for enabling us to begin again, to start over. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name.